You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big Show Hour 4, live from the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? We install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. CFL offseason, getting into full force here. Uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders making a big hire last night. We go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, and we are joined by our CFL insider, Justin Dunk, from 3 Down Nation and Sportsnet. JD, how are we doing this morning, buddy? Doing well, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, let's talk about Saskatchewan. Corey Mace uh, named the newest head coach. Uh, I think this was the right move all along. It was a situation where there were two finalists, Buck Pierce and Corey Mace, and I don't think you could really go wrong with either one. No. I mean, you still have to see Mace get the sense in talking to people around the league that there's a building consensus for, you know, well over a year now. But Mace was ready for this. So people believe he's ready to lead a team, and he's kind of done everything I don't want to say right because that's a big cliche, but to be prepared for this moment. So I absolutely think the Riders hit a home run here, getting Mace to be their head coach. You get uh, sounds like Mark Mueller, Calgary's offensive coordinator, uh, spent time obviously in Regina as a Regina Ram quarterback. He's a hometown boy as well. Sounds like he's going to be the uh, Corey Mace's offensive coordinator. Based on all I've heard, that seems to be the case. And it's interesting considering that Mueller turned down even entertaining that opportunity a year ago, and a large part of that was due to uh, the coaching, the coaching, excuse me, uncertainty around Tech Dickinson and only being able to sign a one-year contract. Mm-hmm. This will be a multi-year contract with a guy that he knows really well in Mace, and they've spent time together, obviously, in Calgary. Uh, so now, now that the coach is in place, uh, what has to be number one priority in, in writing this ridership? Obviously, it's been uh, last two years not gone great. You know, you're hosting the Grey Cup got last year. Uh, you need to make the playoffs, and or, and then now, what you've got this year, not even making the playoffs. So, what is priority number one for Corey Mace to to figure out uh, getting Saskatchewan right again? You know, I think the first priority, and the Riders have already done this by finally moving on from Craig Dickinson and hiring Corey Mace, is just forget about the recent past. That was a totally different era yep. for this team. They had moved on from Cody Fajardo and Jason Moss. Those two go elsewhere and win a Vanier Cup, or excuse me, not Vanier Cup, a Grey Cup in Montreal. They got a bail on the Vanier Cup. So I think that's the first most important step here is moving on from that recent era having Mace in there, and then him creating a culture there in Saskatchewan. Because I don't think there really was one there, especially last year under Dickinson. I think it was a group of individuals trying to call themselves a team. So I think that is first and most important for Mace, is creating a culture there of winning. Uh, your colleague, uh, Arash Madani, you, you worked with him over on Sportsnet of the Great Cup. He uh, had a little tweet this morning. Now that uh, Corey Mace is now out of Toronto as defensive coordinator, is Jerry Glanville seriously a rumored destination to be a defensive coordinator with the Toronto Argonauts? You know, if Arash does it, then <laughs> I'm sure he's at least in the mix. He's 82! crazy thing, but he's so old that people are like, well, he wants to be, you know just retired and probably on the golf course or whatever it is, but the guy loves football. Yeah, He has been up here. He was with the Tiger Cats when June Jones was their head coach. 
So the defense was pretty good in that iteration. So you know, I certainly think he's in the mix. But I think the other name that Arash mentioned, Jason Shiver, yes. is one that I've heard connected with the Argos. But you know, I think they're kind of going to look around here at potential other people that they could at least talk to about that position. There's been a lot of talk behind the scenes about Jordan Younger, who's been with the Bombers yep. for a while, but Richie Hall's a longtime defensive coordinator there. So Younger with those Argos ties, you would think there would at least be a discussion there with Michael Pinball Clemens. Those two go way back in sharing time together with the Argonauts. So I think those are at least a few of the names in the mix. Uh, yesterday, some news as well uh, that uh, out in Victoria, they'll be hosting Touchdown Pacific, uh, the BC Lions hosting the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, this is just, you know, a part of the CFL's campaign to get football from coast to coast. Uh, what can you tell me about this Touchdown Pacific? I really like the idea here. You know, there was some feedback on social media when the league announced this that, well, Randy Ambrosi said he wants to take this game all around the country, and he's not going too far away from Vancouver, where the Lions are based. But I do think this is important because it's much different for those people in Victoria out on the island to take the ferry over and get to a game in Vancouver and have to go do all that stuff, whereas you bring this game to them in that community. And I think this is a great initiative from the CFL. They can expand that stadium out there, I think, to around 10,000, if not more, with standing room on the island. And I think it's a great initiative for the league. I would like to see them perhaps have some other one-off games in other parts of the country to show their game off. I know teams don't want to give up a home game too easily. This still technically will be a home game for the BC Lions, but I think it only makes sense to move games around like this and introduce your product into a community that hasn't seen it live up close to person. Is, is this more of just like, hey, we want we want to get football down on the island? Is this kind of like BC Lions want to make uh, Vancouver Island their market? Or does the CFL think, hey, as a team in Victoria down the line, uh, maybe makes sense? I don't know if the CFL is yeah. talking about that right now. I mean, Randy Abrosi seems more infatuated with Halifax, and he's been talking about Quest City for a number of years. And unless he knows something I don't know, and he very well could, you know, I don't think that's going to happen in the distant future. Yeah. But in terms of the BC Lions and Victoria, I think it's about them expanding their market, mm. making the people on the island feel like they're part of this Lions family. And, and with the, the the Atlantic Canada, like obviously not going out there next year for Touchdown Atlantic, they're still they still want to get something done, obviously with the mayor and, and Halifax, and but it's gonna be it's gonna be on the city's terms, right? Not the league. Yeah, it needs to be on the city's terms, and you know potentially St. Mary's University's yep. terms, and just the way that Atlantic Canadian Canadians work needs to be on their terms. And Ambrosia has talked about you know, multiple times in the media that. They're in talks with a very interested investor. They've also said, you know, I've been to fish. I think I've fish a bait line is just to try to put some public pressure yeah. on the people of Halifax. But here, Mike Savage doesn't care. He's running a pretty good city right now that is booming in terms of people moving into that city and wanting to live out there because the cost of living is much more affordable than some other places in Canada. So he's not focused on building a CFL specific stadium out there either. I do think there is a way to get it done out in Halifax. If you have an interest in all this, St. Mary's, I think, would welcome the opportunity to 
their stadium there that's in a pretty decent spot. Then you have the Wanderers grounds out there as well. So CFL is certainly interested, but it has to work for all parties involved for work. Uh, in Winnipeg, Kyle Walters, uh, he's signed a, a contract extension, keeping him in place as GM for the Bombers for the next couple seasons. Uh, what, what are going to be the tasks of waiting him? I know Mike O'Shea mentioned that uh, a couple players might be leaning towards retirement here. Yeah, I think that we'll have to wait and see on that. Walters was asked about that as well. and said, you know, especially after losing a second straight great cup with some of these veteran players that are getting up there in age, it's going to be very frustrating and the emotions can run high. You know what's going to be done with this game, but when you look at it, if the Bombers can keep this core intact, I think they had some younger players that are coming along. Everybody refers to Winnipeg as being the oldest team in the league. I actually think it's a pretty good mix of sort of young, middle-aged and guys that are older in yeah. football team. If they keep this group together, it's a group that still is good enough to win the West Division, and they lost these last two breakups by a total of five points. Yep. Five points. We're talking about one play in each game, a blocked field goal at Mosaic Stadium, and then Cody Pajardo hitting Tyson Goldblatt. Two plays away from this team putting four straight yeah. breakups. Now, I'm not yeah. saying that they should have done that. There were chances, especially in the game against Montreal, that Winnipeg had to win that game, and especially in the game against Toronto. Zach Brown did not play very well. I think he would so, you talk about these players potentially retiring, but I think upon sober second thought and having these emotions removed, the players might rethink that. But a guy like Stanley Grind, you would think he's getting up there in age and isn't playing to the elite level we're used to from him, but he's still pretty darn good, especially because left tackles don't grow on trees anymore. Might want to come back and give it one more shot yeah. to throw his uh, what do you think happens with Drew Brown? Obviously, he's a free agent, shown that he, uh, you know, he started for Winnipeg a couple times this season, um, shown the ability that he can be maybe a quarterback in this league. Does it, does he re-sign with with Winnipeg, knowing that yeah, this is a good system here? You know, Zach, I can learn behind Kalaros and take over from him, or is it like, hey, I want to go out and find another job and try earn my way out here on my own? It would be a nice thought, I'm sure, if you're Winnipeg to have both of those guys back. So I think that was probably the best quarterback tandem in the league, although Chad Kelly and Cam Dukes in Toronto was pretty darn good last year, too. But if you're Drew Brown, the financial realities and upside of moving to a different team and at least competing for a starting job and not going in there as the starter to a new franchise is something that you just can't pass up. You have to take those opportunities when they come along. And really, you look at the quarterback market and outside of the pile of Thompson and he's even up there in age, Drew Brown is the one guy that teams could really be excited about as a younger dude who has that franchise potential. So honestly, I think there are a handful of teams that should look at Drew Brown this offseason. You know, go around the league and Zach Laros is obviously cemented as an overall guy there in Winnipeg. It seems like Trey Ford is going to be the favorite. At least I think he should be the starter going into the season for the Edmonton Elks, regardless of what Chris Jones wants to say. Then you have Chad Kelly in Toronto, Cody Fajardo in Montreal, Vernon Down Jr. in BC. But if you're Ottawa, Hamilton, Saskatchewan, and Calgary, yeah. I think that you should at least check in on this guy. Yes, I did say the Stampeders because I think the jury is still yep. out on Jake Mayer. 
And we'll, we'll, we'll go with the Stamps here. They're, they've been bringing back a lot of their guys, re-signing James Vodders, Tommy Stevens, the latest. Uh, we talked about, you know, like the quarterback position, how, you know, I don't think that's a, that's a set-in-stone spot for Jake Mayer. Maybe he needs somebody uh, that can push him or, you know, like they can, you know, Calgary can spell him and, and the, like, hey, you're not playing that great. We've got a guy that can take you take your spot uh, what is maybe dave dickinson's biggest tasks these this this coming off season and, and trying to get the stampeders uh you know back to a spot where they're used to i mean i hate saying it and i don't want to sound like an excuse but the stamps had a ton of injuries yep. last year no you're right actually very right and in that secondary so it's finding a way to keep these guys healthy i don't know if you need to change their strength and conditioning program if these guys need to get out there and be doing more hot yoga or I'm a big <laughs> proponent of it, something like that. But, you know, outside of that, you know, I honestly think that there were flashes there with Jake Mayer where he showed you he could be really good. The game in Toronto, I yep. was at live, saw it with my own eyeballs. He put up 31 points. There were a lot of shots down the field that he hit against a talented defense. That was one of the better games that any opposing QB had against Corey Mace's unit in 2023 that was really hard to score points against. So I don't think they're going to move on from there. He has some of that guaranteed money in the final year of his contract. That'll help him, I think, be the starter again going into the season. And Dave Dickinson has shown that when he picks a guy, he's going to at least give him a chance to prove he's not the franchise guy, so to speak. So I think Mayer is entrenched there as a starter. And then other than that, I think they need to find some guys that can catch the football consistently. There yeah. were so many drops with that team. <laughs> they need to get some guys in there. Reg- Bagleton was obviously really good. I thought Trey Odoms-Dukes had some upside, but he was too inconsistent mm-hmm. for that group. And I think Mark and Michelle seems to be on the back nine, if not walking up that 18th fairway of his career. So I think it would help the Stampeders to either give some of their younger guys a real shot or go out and get a legit pass catcher and yeah. free agents. They haven't really done that in the past, gone out and got a big name. Yeah. But I think that helped Calgary and Jake Mayer in this instance. Uh, up the road in Edmonton, uh, Elks president, um, uh, Rick Lacklashore, he's he's exploring the feasibility of a possibly a new stadium in Edmonton. I don't know how far along that is, but uh, do you think that's something that uh, I, the new eventual president in Edmonton would like to, to see done, uh, leave Commonwealth? Definitely. I mean, everybody involved with the Elks organization, I'm sure, would love to see that or at least just retrofit and update Commonwealth Stadium. But that's not going to be cheap either. You look at what the Toronto Blue Jays have done at Rogers Center over the years. They've spent millions and millions and millions of dollars. And it's to the point where Rogers Center looks completely different. I was there last year with all the updates and the bars and the fun spaces and the rest. But I don't think that's realistically going to happen in Edmonton until they potentially land a new private owner. It really seems like that's the way that the team wants to go. Away from the community owned. Yeah. And I think that's why the was brought in there. He helped BC transition from the late great David Braley to Amar Doman. And the lions had a wonderful season under him last two seasons. It should be said. So I think that's really where this is trending. And then based on that new private ownership, we'll see what will happen at the stadium. Do you think there's going to be a, a quite a, a few parties interested in, in, in buying the Elks if they do go that way? You know, I think that there would at least be a handful of people because you have now Park Lane, the investment bank, involved. That's a place that has helped out, you know, Premier League soccer teams and 
you know, NFL teams mm-hmm. and lots of different teams around the world either find a buyer or interested sellers. So I do think that there would be interested parties because you look around the CFL right now and the ownership arguably is in its best place it's ever been. Yeah. And very stable. You look at Pierre Carl Pelado, I'm sure he didn't expect him <laughs> to break up in his first year, nope. but the team has solid financial footing. And you look at all the rest of the teams around the CFL to go along with it. And I think you could say the same case. So the CFL isn't out here crying poor, just looking for somebody to take the keys that are thrown on the table anymore. And we know how passionate that Edmonton market is. I know some people in Calgary know it, especially from the Flames Oilers rivalry. So I think that would be very enticing for somebody to take over. You get the right people in there, the president position especially, because I think that was a major mistake hiring Chris Preston, yep. an American who knew nothing about the market. That did a lot of damage. But if you get a vested local owner, then I think you could really make some headway. Yeah, we definitely do want to see these Alberta teams uh, get a little bit uh, righted and you see more people in the stands for sure this uh, this coming year. Uh, Justin, uh, what do you got working on for Three Down Nation this offseason? What do you guys got planned? Uh, dude, we got so much. I mean, kind of leading in here, we've got the coaching carousel that's going to go on, and then I think there'll be some movement in the quarterback market as well. So we'll have all the latest coaching news and re-signings, trades, whatever else is going to go down before free agency opens. We'll also be tracking the guys to get some NFL work with as well. Yes. Back to one of those guys that's going to have some interest. So we'll have all that stuff, of course, daily on 3 Always the best uh, for CFL news. Head over to 3Down Nation. Justin, thank you so much. Uh, we'll do this again very soon, I'm sure. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks for having me on. No problem. There you go. There's Justin Dunk, CFL insider from 3Down Nation and Sportsnet. Uh, CFL News, February will be here before you know it, and then free agency will be open. Uh, do you want to play this? It is a Calgary Flames game day. They are taking on the Dallas Stars tonight. Uh, it'll be 7.30? No, 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. It is 7 o'clock. Yeah, 7 o'clock start. Stars and Flames right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, Chris Tanev, uh, blocked puck with his face there on Monday night, uh, left the game, had to get 12 stitches. He spoke to the media yesterday. So where'd you get it? Chin. Chin? Oh, there you go. How many stitches? Uh, Ken said 12, so I don't know, but I think that's around there anyway. What's, what does that bring the grand total to in your life? I don't know, too many, <laughs> way too many. <laughs> when, you, when you look back at the replay, do you realize, or do you say to yourself, oh, I didn't time that properly, or could nothing have been done? You're just the guy who's going to throw your body in front of him. Probably not the smartest play to do that, but I mean, it was the only way I was going to get in front of the puck because I was coming across the net from, from that way, so... Yeah, when you look back at it, probably not the smartest play to do, but um, thankfully uh, I just got cut and, and nothing else, to be honest. So. This is something, though, you've done your whole career. Do you ever the next day say, God, i got to stop doing that? I don't know. You might say it once, and then once you're in the game, you're not thinking, right? It's a, it's a bang-bang play, and just just trying to do what uh, whatever it takes to, to not get scored on. So. Do you, do you even see the puck coming to you at that? Like, it's so quick, but do, do you actually see it going to your face and think, oh, dear Lord? I don't know. No. I mean, it, 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 they shoot it pretty quick. So um, I was just trying to get in the lane, and it happened to hit me uh, right in the chin there. 
what, what goes into to that? Like, are you trying to block it with like a different part of your body? Like, like are you I'm just trying to block the shot. I mean, it, there's it's either he's going to have an open look or I'm going to try to block the shot. It's not like there's not enough time to go. Okay, I'm going to go like this and slide that way. I mean, it happens quick and get hit in the face once in a while. Do you feel? Fortunate when these things happen and it's not as bad as it sure looks. Yeah, I'm very fortunate this one. I mean, I, I don't think uh, we we're quite worried when it happened. So um, medical staff did a great job of sort of lining up everything I needed to do yesterday to make sure like, my jaw wasn't broken and, and all that stuff. And thankfully, everything uh, came back positive and uh, just move forward from there. And, and I guess a big part of it is you want to make sure you protect the teeth you have left. No, I mean, I don't mind if the, the snaggle tooth gets gone. I don't, I wouldn't mind that at all. <laughs> where, where does that, that block rank for you in terms of... I have no idea. I, I couldn't care less about ranking my blocks. I don't know. Yeah, and did you watch the end of the game? I'm assuming you did. No, I couldn't. They, were, they're, they put the, like, the radio on so I could listen to the um, listen to the like the voices of whoever was I think it was the radio feed on so so I could hear what was happening and then uh, but I, I couldn't see anything. Does it make it all worth it when when you find out they helped they won? Yeah, it's awesome to, to win. I mean, it's a huge huge game for us against Stanley Cup champs, right? So I mean, after a, a tough loss before against a good team uh, to be able to bounce back like that it was a great effort by us and Vladdy, Vladdy, Vladdy played awesome for us on, on short notice which was incredible so I mean that, that was huge there you go there's Chris Tanev taking uh, after taking a puck to the face uh, yesterday speaking to the media should be in the lineup tonight as the uh, Flames and Stars will get underway at 7 o'clock a little after 7 right here on Sportsnet 960 the fan